All right. Yes. Sensing a theme here. Bruce Springsteen will be leading us in every single segment. This JP's so dialed in right now. It's a great track. Like Springsteen. You know who's going to be happy about this? And who's a very happy man today is my dad. Loves Springsteen. He's probably seen him live like 30 times. 70 years old yesterday. Oh. Give a shout out. Happy birthday. Yes. 70 shout years old. Shout out to my former teammate, Paul Coffey, as well. I had two trips around the tour with Paul Coffey. Mm-hmm. When he entered the locker room, Bruce Springsteen was on, and no one was to touch it. Oh, he was a br- <laughs> big Springsteen guy, huh? Okay, yes. Yeah, every practice and every game, let it fly. Yeah, and there if you, you go. came on with some whatever, I was 19, it was not well received. I love it. Don't Spring- mess around. Springsteen guys are very passionate they about being Springsteen it. guys. Love every time he comes to town, they are there. They're putting it on the you it's know like the speakers the all the time. It's, it's yeah. They're yeah, there's cronies. They yeah, they're cronies. Springsteen cronies. Yes. Like you try to argue that maybe there's someone better live than Springsteen. No How dare you? No. How dare you? Yeah. Like they people will fight you over best that. studio artist, best live artist. Seen yeah. him 14 times. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen him live. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's a great yeah. show. Good for Springsteen and good for the Leafs. They're going to see him tonight in Seattle. Yep. Um, that would suggest they don't really want to go to Edmonton. Well, <laughs> Is that what I they're mean, telling everybody, that they're not interested in flying into Edmonton? That's a pretty, pretty standard procedure when there's a few days off on the road. You'll kind of look yeah. at both of the cities and sniff out which one is maybe a little more attractive to spend a little more time <laughs> when's in. The game, when's the game in Edmonton? Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday night. They're sticking around multiple days, catching Springsteen, doing the Seattle thing. Yeah. And they'll fly into Edmonton possibly an hour before puck drop. Nothing against Edmonton. I, no, nothing against Edmonton, but I was a big believer. If you're in a city you like that's more enjoyable you stay there and you fly to the next one the night before the game just for bed. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. dinner in Seattle, do everything in oh. Seattle, and then wait, make your way to Edmonton for bedtime. Yeah. It's what? Half an hour flight? Yeah, the only thing uh, is you'll lose an hour, right? Because you'll, you'll be flying east. They're not, they're not going to do that. Yeah, no, they they'll practice that. tomorrow they'll in practice. Seattle, fly out in the afternoon. They'll yeah. get there around dinner time, you know, whatever. They've got the itinerary. Figured out. They know what they're but doing. But the beauty of this, if you're McCabe and you're Lafferty, is you get to jump on the Western Canadian swing as a Leaf. Yeah. Your first experience as a Maple Leaf, as not much removed from O'Reilly and Achari getting here too, is Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. That is something else, man. It's, oh, you did that a couple of times, I'm sure. Frankie, you've been on both sides of it playing in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Like, it is a different beast. It's one thing to play in Ottawa. Montreal on a Saturday night, I'm sure, is incredibly special. Going down to Buffalo is big, but there's something about that Western Canadian swing. The Go Leafs Go chant in all three of those barns is is quite equal to Battleground the home teams. It's back and forth all night. It's excellent. From out there, hates Toronto mm-hmm. and hates the Leafs, and then half of the building, it's kind of close to half, is full with Leaf fans, oh, so yeah. you've got an unbelievable environment out there. I told it's you guys, awesome. like I, when I got drafted by Vancouver, I'd always have people coming up to me saying, "Oh, this must be weird for you. Like you must, you know, you must hate Vancouver or this and that." I'm like, 
no, actually. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, you know, we don't really love Toronto here. And like, yeah, I'm we sorry, figured we that actually out. Don't, we don't really think about that. Doesn't to be really with you. affect anyone. <laughs> we have no feelings whatsoever yeah. about anyone else. That's not thing. a bad thing. We're yeah. not, that's not disparaging anyone. No, of course not. We're just not. saying we don't hate. Yeah. There's no hatred. No. It's a one way street. The hatred has always been a one way street. And um, I'm curious what other Canadian teams decide to do. Like, Edmonton's been. Relatively quiet. It's go time for them, man. I would think so for it is Ken go time. Calgary's in a very precarious position because they're on the outside of the playoffs. Don't you think they have to do something big, too? Because, okay, if you're in the Western Conference right now, you have to do something. It's pretty wide it's open. Wide open. Everyone's the same team. And, Absolutely. And Curious, though, Frankie, what you said, you have to do something. I'm sure people in Nashville were saying you have to do something. People in Washington were saying you have to do something. But when you're a GM and you're consistently watching a team underperform in games that you have to win, why is there a need to do something for that group that continues to do that? And those other two teams I just mentioned, the GM had one decision. It was, I'm going to take away from that because I'm sick of watching that. That's what I think you need to do is sometimes determine you're not that good. That's right. It's like, what am I going to do? Mortgage some of the future to get dummied in the first round? Or or miss out. Why would I ever do that? You have to really... They always say in pro sports, and I'm not sure you two are aware of this, (laughs) your best assessment assessment has to be of your own team, not the other guys in the league. Look at you. Mr. Front Office over here. Yeah. Special assistant to the GM coming soon. Billy Bean. That's your stunt double on Friday. Fly in Billy Bean. You're now Mr. Executive. Talking. Yeah, it's, I'm sure Billy's got nothing better to do. Um, I think Ray's going to be a part of it on Friday. Ray will be in the mix. I think I might be doing a couple of panels with him. I might have to come up with something good. You should get the him first, going. You oh, should just get him so I fired did up. with Ray, I was complaining and bitching, and I didn't really know Ray that well, and he just looked at me. He was tired <laughs> as well, and he goes, I need you to shut up. <laughs> Then he had the the King Daddy Topper on top of it. He goes, I just need you to shut up and do your job. And then he turned around and never talked to me the rest of the time. Did you do your job, though? Like, did you settle in and do your job? I'm just a natural born bitcher and complainer. I don't know. I just (laughs) like doing it. Go ahead. Let's bring him in in here. Ray Ferraro (laughs) joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Uh, Is that an accurate assessment, Ray, or what? Yes, yes, but, oh, you know how they always say, like, pay it forward. I started working at ESPN with Barry Melrose. Melly's one of the one of the great people around the game. And so here I am, I'm still playing. I'm like, why are we here at 1 in the morning to tape a show? And Barry would, he always had his IFB cord, you know, so people don't know it's a thing that plugs in so you can hear in the producer. And he'd be swinging it around and he'd go, Ray, time to make the donuts let's go make the donuts mm-hmm. in other words shut up it's time to go to work get on the set at 1 try to make sense and we're out of here at two and i was like so you're like <laughs> can we get out of here and i'm like just can we just get to the end of the day yeah get the hell out of it's here it's a long day man it's oh. a long long day and i'm gonna start with this though i got three things yeah one you've got finally uh you know, when Noodles is out working, you put the Italian in the middle. Yeah, That's Ray. good work. Mm-hmm. That's really good work. Two, Hayes, I hear now you're a D expert. You're breaking down everything. That's right. So now, yes. I'm, I'm really wondering where the hell this show has gone in the time <laughs> on. And three, oh, I'm going to hit balls a little later. What clubs do you use? Only 
Only Hazy B and myself only use TaylorMade. What do you have at this moment? None. Only Taylor. Oh, 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 yes. Yes. Go ahead, Ray. What do you make of that news? I... I, I don't want to say it was the loudest I've laughed at someone's misfortune in a while. There's that German word, I think it's schadenfreude, so mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for my clubs to get stolen. I'm like, oh, God, his club stolen? But, yeah. Well, me old, and, the oh. reason my clubs are in my truck in February is because me and Hazy B were going to TaylorMade the next morning to for a fitting. So we were going to look at some stuff, and I wanted my clubs in the car so I didn't have to dig them out of the garage in the morning. So I put two sets of my favorite clubs in the truck in my bag and one of my favorite putters, and I wake up and I got no truck at all. Heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. And just think, the guy that stole the truck, he's like, what am I going to do with these clubs? Oh, that's the best. You know, the I know Dude, that's what I'm hoping, Ray, that the guy looks in the back because God knows he threw out the AirPods. Grab my clubs! And throw them out the back. <laughs> have we been checking Kijiji? Like, do we have someone closely monitoring Craigslist and Kijiji for we're these tracking, clubs? We're tracking the trade rate board, man. Yeah. We, got, we got enough on our... I, I don't know. What are we going to do? Like, TaylorMade's going to hook you up. They're great people over there. We're, it's still cold here, Ray. It's snowing. It's still cold. We're still at least a month and a half away from playing. So, But they're your favorite clubs. That's the yeah, part. It hurts. I mean, it yeah. just they were a, a set of clubs. Ah, you get other ones. And they, they feel different. And you'll dig it out. Oh, you'll be back to plus two, giving Hayes five shots aside in no time. Yeah, but if we play for money, I'll beat him every single time. I've always said <laughs> that. It. You put money on the line, there's no chance this guy can keep up with me. If the if the cap is dialed in the way it's supposed to be, I will dust you, dust you. Maybe if there's music in the cart. Hang on a second, Hang on a second Frank. Hang on but a second, I don't Frank. know, man. Frank. Well, what does that mean? I can't play for money. Hayes? I don't. I've never seen you do it. I've you've been out with my guys. We've offered you the chance to play, and you're not willing to uh, put the cash on the line. So, well, you know what it is. You guys are ten handicaps, and I'm a scratch. So you guys can go out there and just goon it up, and I'm giving you money. <laughs> That's not true. If the numbers are we got locked get, in. We got Ray on. All Enough right, moving on. Garbage. I'll deal with you later with that accusation that I did. Well, you need to deal with me, I guess. I'm the one that laid the accusation on the line. Um, all right, Ray, look what you've done here. There's so much going on, and we're yelling about handicaps and, and what we're going to do on the course Feels of the summer. Like home. As it should. It's always good to have you, buddy. And, I mean, the city of Toronto's buzzing. The Eastern Conference is buzzing. I mean, the West is in a stupor right now. Do they realize that they're allowed to make moves? Like, what do you make about what's, what's going on here with the Leafs, Rangers, Tampa making moves? I mean, everyone seems to be all in in the East. The, the one thing I can't get past with these moves over the last, I guess, two weeks is that, okay, so Boston has been the class of the league this year. They've been They've had a virtually a perfect season. But if you get, just put them aside for a minute. Now you've got, in the first round, like 99%, Tampa, Toronto, Devils, Rangers. Two of those teams are going home in 10 days. It's once the playoffs start. All this work, all these, you know, you got to bite down on it and go, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to trade away a little bit of the future. We're going to, we think our team is really good. And you don't, there's no guarantee you're even going to get out of the first round. Mm-hmm. Like Those four teams, to me, stand out more than anything because I think every one of them is a really good team. And they all should be trying to get as good as they can get. 
but my goodness, like, the, can you imagine you put those teams together and then you get punched right in the nose in the first round? Like, okay, well, of course we're in Toronto. We'll start there. What if you score six goals three times on Tampa and Vasilevsky makes 45 saves the other four games? Like, like it could happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, we put together. Like, the Leafs are, they're different this year, I think. They just, they look different. They play different. Um, they can win a low-scoring game, a low-event game. Of course, they can score, you know, the way that, you know, their top guys score. If you look at that series, you're like, Tampa and Toronto, the forwards are kind of a wash. The D, I, I don't know. I, Tampa's D is not what it used to be, so I, I kind of think it's almost similar. And then you get to the goalie, and it, I'm, I'm going to bet my house on Vasilevsky every time. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that in that series – that's the way it's going to go. They're just, they're so evenly matched. And what a, I, mean, I know there's all this, you know, pressure on Dubis and Keefe to get past the first round, but what else are they going to do? Like, you just happened to put together an excellent team at the same time that Boston and Tampa were in an incredible run of players. Like, it, it, part of it's bad luck, for sure it is. Part of it is they didn't get it done. But here you are, you're now right back in the same spot, and you've got to fight like hell to get out of the first round. And if you win, oh, good, probably Boston's waiting there, too. Ray, how do you make it translate? You said they look better, and it's got a different feel to it this year. How do you get that, whether it's the coach's responsibility? It's not his responsibility because the players go out. But if you were to talk to them, how do you get the best players to make it translate differently in the playoffs? This is what I see just watching them all. Is like, it feels like the best players have... Like, you can have whatever you want with your role, guys. If your best players don't, don't play dominate. the right way, you just don't win. You're just never going to win. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. And the right way is sometimes there's not a risky offensive play to make. Sometimes you've got to come back a little deeper in your zone than you want. It's all like, it's, it's all like kind of hockey talk, yada, 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 except it really matters. Because when I'm watching Tampa last year go all the way to the finals, they had no players. Right? By the time they got to the finals, I was watching those guys walk into the rink, and I'm like, how are they going to play today? Like the game six when Colorado won, Nachuskin came over, he was wearing a, a Marriott slipper on his foot because he couldn't get his foot in his skate. Like, by the time they get there, they're just beat to hell. And I think this year it feels like the Leafs' best guys are either mature enough or they understand better or they're committed enough, but they look like they're, they're ready to do that. And to me, that, that just leaks down through the rest of the roster. Then they go make these deals... And the deals even feel different. Like the deals in the past felt like they were getting a guy with a $10 reputation and they were getting him when he was only worth $7. Now they're getting guys with reputation, but they have game left. They are, they are difference makers to their lineup. Like all four of those guys will make an impact that they've got lately. O'Reilly, Achari, um, uh, in the trade today with Lafferty and McCabe, all four of those guys will play in the playoffs, and they'll be effective. So I, I really, li- honestly, I really like their team. I really do. I just, I would say the same thing about Tampa and Boston and Jersey and the Rangers. I really like their teams. 
I just don't know if it's enough to get out of the get out of their divisions. Like, how, how would you know? Ray, if you're out in Edmonton right now, are you not thinking? Let's not waste McDavid and Dreisaitl, especially in a year where the Eastern Conference is jammed and they're bringing everyone onto those teams. And now you think there's not a lot separating all these teams, Mini, Colorado, Vegas, Edmonton. It's like, do you not think you need to do something here to show those guys you're ready to put them over the edge right now? Yes, except what if, Frankie, you, the deal you can only get done makes your team 5% better or 3% better? Is that even worth doing? Maybe so your fans can say, oh, we brought in a player, but is it really worth doing? I think the, the biggest problem right now is as you get down to the deadline, the teams that are holding players that the contenders or the playoff teams want, they're just holding. Right now they're, they're hanging on to their hands and they're, they're playing one team off another. They know Edmonton would love a defenseman. So if you're Nashville and Barry Trotz is taking over after this year, you know he's sitting in with the meetings from David Poyle, those two guys go back 30 years. Do you not think they're saying, we know that Edmonton would like to poke around Matthias Ekholm. We know Ekholm's a really good player. Why are we going to make the deal today when on Thursday we might get two more assets out of it? So I, I think they're, yes, I think the Oilers for sure are going to make a deal. Whether they can make the deal they really want, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really hard because there's not really a lot of difference makers that they need. They don't, they don't need around-the-edges guys. They need somebody to help throw them into another level. Like, like if they were able to get Ekholm, I mean, that erases one set of question marks for your team. You don't have to worry about it. But can you make the deal? Do you have the right pieces? Or does somebody else go, hey, David Poyle, I got an extra second-round pick here that maybe – Edmonton doesn't have. Maybe they've moved it in another deal. Mm-hmm. It's way harder, I think, than we all think. Well, it's interesting what what Tampa continues to do. They've been to three straight cups. They've won two of them, and they just traded a boatload for a depth player. Good player, but depth player. And they want this window to stay open, and they're willing to pay the price for that. You look at what Colorado did last year. Like I get the impression like the other teams, and maybe this has always happened, right? But teams are looking at what Tampa's done Looking at what Colorado did, I think Dubas is a perfect example. Like you said, you got to get guys that are going to play. Like, and you got to pay a price. Yes, you might be overpaying, but so be it. If that's the guy you want, that's the guy you believe in. There's no point in wasting time because on March 4th, it's it's over. You can't get them. No, there's a time to be like Chicago. I think they've got like I don't know 35 picks in the next three drafts or mm. something like some crazy number. There's a time to collect those draft picks and throw them in the, the draft bucket, and you've got to build, you've got to build. And then there's a time, honestly, I don't think, I don't know, did you guys see those uh, comments by Julian Breezewalk yeah. today? Yeah. I thought they were, like, so honest. Like, who cares about that first-round pick in two years? Mainly because I have Hedman, I have Stamkos, I have Point, I have Vasilevsky. I've got a chance to win. So why am I worried about five years down the line? Because that's when those players, a player you draft in two years, that's when they're going to get to be a factor for you. They don't, they don't have time to process and build a player. Like they, Cal Foote was a, a first-round pick for them. I, I want to say 2017. I might be wrong on that. Like they, they signed a guy last year who was a seventh-round pick. They signed him this year, rather, Nick Perbix. And Perbix and Foote, you can't, really tell the difference between the two of them. 
because they're both 6'4". They both are going to play in the third pair. You don't need them both. So they put foot in this deal uh, to Nashville because they're like, yeah, we've, we've already got another guy. Tampa has done. Tampa is able to do this, I think, because of two reasons. One, they got lucky at the top of the draft when all those guys were available, at, you know, and the, the core pieces of their team. And secondly, their scouting staff has done an amazing job at pulling out mid-round picks. Alex Kalorn, Ross Colton, Braden Point was a third-rounder. Uh, they had Andre Palat as a seventh-rounder for 10 years. Like, all these picks, plus the best players being available on your draft day, makes them able to do, the way, do this the way they are. Just think of this, though. They drafted Vasilevsky 18th in the draft. That was their second first-round pick that year. Their first pick was Slater Cuckoo. Like, so they, got, they had Cuckoo, uh, like everybody else did, on the draft board ahead of Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. Then they get a second pick, and they go, yeah, we'll take this guy. Turns out he's the best goalie in the world. Like, sometimes you just got to get unbelievably lucky. With Ray Ferraro, TSN hockey analyst. Um, well, that's who the Leafs are going to match up against. Like you've been saying, it's Toronto, Tampa, Jersey Rangers. We know where it's going. Um, in terms of the top six here in Toronto, how, how do you? How would you play this out, Ray? In terms of where Matthews plays, Marner plays, O'Reilly, Tavares on the wing. Like, is that that's been relatively intriguing for us since they acquired O'Reilly that they moved Tavares to the wing and he stayed there. How do you see this all kind of shaken out before game one? Well, I, I think O'Reilly, I would like O'Reilly in the middle because I think he does better work down low defensively, even though John's been more than fine. Oh, you played both wing and center. I, I played wing right at the very end of my career. I felt like I was in a phone booth. I hated it. I felt no freedom. Like you ended up most times on the wing. Did you like that or did you like the middle? What was the difference for you because Tavares has to view the game completely different from the wing like, in the middle. Well, Ray, I kind of transitioned into kind of a playmaking center to a shooting winger and once I got that one-piece synergy stick and I played with guys like Ron Francis, it's like get me in the get me in the garden spot and watch out. I mean, who the hell wants to do work down low when you can just go to the open area? <laughs> The only thing you had to worry about on the wing, I felt, when I was over there, was if, if your D threw a, if a Frankie Corrado threw a muffin around the board, oh, yeah. and, and, and here comes the steamroller down the wing to pinch in, like that to me was like, that was stress. Yeah. But well, Ray, the best the- thing was, all these guys have to backtrack now. Yeah. All the responsibility back in the day was like, that big slug back there, that lefty, he can't beat me up the ice. And a lot of the times he didn't care to get up the ice. <laughs> yeah. So you could waltz back there at your own leisure, and as long as that goon left defenseman didn't want to score, you were golden. Well, I would say when, whenever we played Philly, when we were on the ice, I looked for Brad Marsh every time. I'm like, he is not getting up there in a hundred years, he's the guy for me. Just get up there. I got him taken care That's of. your pace car. Oh, yeah. I, can, I know I can keep up to him. So, but I think the way they're set now is, is a good way to start. They do have, one thing Sheldon Keefe has is incredible flexibility in his lineup now that he's never really had before. Um, most teams don't. And so if, 
you know, there, there's a point where O'Reilly's foot speed catches up to him a little bit. And I know him and Tavares aren't the fleetest of foot guys, but if they end up, if they end up out of position somehow, it's not going to be a big deal. They're kind of the, you know, they kind of go with the same pace. And whoever's on the other side for them is going to be the creator, whether it's Nylander or Marner. However they decide to roll those through, some of it will be who does Tampa want to play against those players? Like, do they want to play Nick Paul's line against Marner or against Matthews? Do they want to play uh, Stamkos and Point and Kucherov and force the Tavares line into a different matchup? Like, on the road, you're going to have to adjust. And the, the, great, the great equalizer is... It's having options and flexibility, and the, the Leafs will have it. I mean, Tampa moves their guys all over the place, but this is something I think that Toronto's going to have uh, have the ability to do that they just couldn't do in the past. Yeah. Uh, is that your number one series? Like, objectively, Ray, if you could be between the benches for one, would it be Tampa-Toronto? or? Well, it would be, honestly, it would be either one of those two. Like, I think yeah. the Ranger-Devil thing is going to be a track meet. Right. Like, I think that's that's going to be so fun. And if I had to do the series, I could stay in one hotel and just go back and forth. <laughs> that's that pretty would good. Be a bonus. That is that's that's your answer right there, as it should be. Um, <laughs> but I got it. But I mean, how can anybody look past what Tampa's done in three years, and the Leafs, who seem like poised to, like it really? I don't know. It really feels different for me watching them. Like this, this is this is like a series that needs to happen for for it. For the Leafs to get over the hump, like they need, they need to beat Tampa. One of the big like boys. Yep. Yeah, and that's, the- that's what has to happen. Now, when Vancouver made it to the finals in 2011, they had lost, I think, two previous years to Chicago, and it was like the they were the you know the scary guy in the closet. You know, when you were a little kid, you'd have a nightmare, and there they were, and it was the Blackhawks. And finally, finally, the Canucks beat them in the first round when Burroughs scored, and then it was like. It freed them up. They get all the way to Game 7 of the Cup, and this is just the way it's supposed to be. All right, buddy. Well, we'll catch you on Friday, and uh, we always appreciate you finding time for us. Thank you for this. Thanks. Are you uh, are you wearing a suit Friday again, Hayes? Yeah, I, I think so. I might be breaking out a new suit, actually. I'm waiting on word on that. Oh. I might get a little bit crazy on Friday. You'll have to wait and see, Ray. I know O's got professionalism all over. He'll have he'll have something going there. Maybe a nice little pocket square on, on trade day, Ayo. What do you think? No, they're out of style, pal. Those things are all in the garbage. <laughs> Cutting edge, you know that, right? Cutting edge of style. That's how we operate here, buddy. If 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 O says they're out, I'm throwing mine in the garbage. They That's are. It. They're all garbage. Sayonara. See you later. All right, See buddy. You boys. There he is, Ray Ferraro, TSN. ESPN hockey analyst joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Build your next dream Toyota at Maple Toyota. Check out Maple Toyota's pre-owned inventory arriving daily. It's time to Toyota. Visit mapletoyota.com. Uh, more on the Leafs in the next hour. Chris Johnston will join us. The Raptors got their doors blown off last night in Cleveland. They were rolling prior to that. But they finally met a legitimate team, and we saw what happened. Uh, Josh Lewenberg on that and more still to come as well. But the skipper of the Jays is coming up, John Schneider, as he put the clubs away. Last time we talked to him, he was saying he liked to tee it a lot during I the I think those boys down there, they get their work done early, and then they tee it. All right. Not we'll sure. To, we'll ask them. We'll get to the bottom of that. And uh, how are things working out in camp early into camp? We'll catch up with John Schneider. We'll do that next. 
not sure I agree with this song. We got John Schneider on hold. Like, this is a depressing track. Dude, you gotta play ACDC. Yeah, you can't come out with this bells. track, man. Like, Springsteen, all right, we get it. That's the theme we're playing, yeah. Springsteen. But, but this one, man, this guys, is... Guys, John Schneider's on the line. Don't you think you go with Born to Run? Something. Like, this guy come is talking alive. about being aggressive on the bases. He wants everyone running. Yeah. And we don't come in with Born to Run. This one is an As emotional As they say in the track. broadcasting business, uh, a mistake like that from JP could ultimately cost him his job. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring in the skip. All right, here's the manager of the Blue Jays, John Schneider. How you doing, John? Good. Yeah, that was a disappointing intro. Dude, it was <laughs> awful. But, but definitely, thank you for having me on. Yeah, we've been trying to spice it up. We're trying to get loud, but that, that yeah, song... We're firing that guy, John. We're firing that guy. <laughs> uh, how's it going down there? You guys are, what are you, on your way back to Dunedin? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yep, on the way back from a uh, longer trip over to play the Braves. Kind of a lighter squad today. Um, but yeah, heading back and... Uh, Looking forward to a split squad tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, we talk about that a lot in terms of how you, you kind of put together the, the lineup for these games, especially early in spring training, road games. I'm looking at who you had uh, playing today. Not a lot of big league names, specifically with the bats. You had some, some vets pitching today. But take us through that thought process, John, in terms of how you try to mock up you know, who's going to get their live ABs, who's going to get their innings in, and what is an ideal setup for your veterans to be ready for opening day? Yeah, I mean, we map it out a week in advance, uh, who's playing where, and right now in camp, you know, third day, it's kind of a gradual build-up for most of the regulars, and a lot of them played yesterday, so they kind of go every other day to start, um, and basically everyone in camp is playing tomorrow with two games going on. And probably towards the end of the week, we get into, you know, playing back-to-back and three in a row, things like that, but just monitoring how the guys are feeling and making sure that they, you know, just get what they need. So I think as camp winds down, you'll see guys playing three, four in a row. You know, some guys like to get 50 at-bats, some guys only need 30, um, whatever it may be. So um, just trying to get them ready and uh, be ready to roll when we hit St. Louis. John, training camp seems, spring training seems to be, it's slow developing, even with the exercises that the players are doing. How long before that there's a mutual understanding that it's not really like go time, but it's time to start putting all this stuff together? How long before that message is, is ultimately sent, or they just know it? I mean, a little bit of both. I think as the numbers, you know, get whittled down a little bit and you have some of the guys, you know, back to the minor league camp, the guys start to pick it up and they start to realize that, you know, they're a little bit more focused with their results at that point. So they know when the the flip kind of switches, it's probably with about 10 days left in camp, everyone's getting antsy to get going. And uh, usually they're in a good spot physically, mentally, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, they they know when it's time to go. They can can feel it and they they get the itch curious how how much of that messaging is is being relied upon in terms of the new guys you brought in guys like Kiermaier Belt uh Bassett in the rotation like the veterans that that you've brought into the fold here how loud they've been around the clubhouse and and how big of an impact they've had on that professionalism and and making sure everyone's on the right page yeah I mean they've kind of step right into what we had hoped they they would do. Um, and we have guys that have been playing for a while now that still are, are young, so they kind of understand what they need to get ready as well. But it's been great to see Bassett. You know, Bassett's all over the place. He's watching everyone's bullpens. He came to the game yesterday. Um, even though he wasn't scheduled to pitch, he's kind of just getting to know everyone. 
um, kind of like the social butterfly, if you will. And Kiermaier is, you know, exactly what we thought he was going to be. You know, he is high energy, ready to go, um, is thrilled to be, you know, part of this team. Brandon Bell, just kind of a steady veteran presence and understands what he needs to do to get ready. So it's a cool mix of those guys that are, that are jumping in with the core that we do have. And uh, it's nice that a lot of them are pretty – they're pretty comfortable with, with exactly what they need to get ready. So the, the conversations back and forth are really easy. What's your level of excitement, John, on the new look outfield this year? George Springer, not center field, but you're going to have Dalton Varsho and you'll have Kiermaier. Like it, it feels like it'll be a little bit of a different look. Is there a different mindset you think those guys have as far as you know how they're going to play out there? And how do you feel about that group? Yeah, I mean, I feel great about that group. I think the mindset, yeah, is going to be different because you have three center fielders or three guys capable of playing center out there that are just going to want to go get everything. Um, and watching the three of them specifically work together day in and day out, their conversations and their mindset is that they're going to be the best outfield in baseball. And they can absolutely do that. It's um, They're very, very confident. It's definitely a new look than you know, what we've rolled out in the past. And, um, you know, I think they're going to be pitchers' best friends. It's uh, it's pretty cool to see those three work together. John, did you tell Kikuchi that you'd like him more if he had a beard and things will go better if he had a beard? Like, how's the beard going? How's he looking? <laughs> yeah, it was actually the first thing we talked about in the offseason. You know, just let him know. You, know. you just said, I got a beard, you better come with a beard and things will go right. better? right. Yeah, exactly. Just see how this looks and, you know, <laughs> take it or leave it. No, he's he's been great. I mean, he's uh, his beard looks fantastic. I think it's just a different wow. dynamic to him. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a little bit. He's got some work to do in terms of the fullness of it, but I, I love that he's rocking it. And, um, you know, he just – and just confidence and being a little bit more comfortable in his setting with his teammates. And, you know, last year was quick and all that kind of stuff. So, um Worked his tail off in the off season and has kind of picked up, you know, right where it left off, you know, from January when he was in working early. He's, you know, his first outing was fantastic. Um, everything has been very consistent. He's been, he's been a really, really, um, I don't want to say surprise, but it's just really encouraging to see where he's at. With Jay's manager, John Schneider, uh, a lot of buzz around baseball about the pitch clock, and we saw a couple of examples of it over the weekend. Early in camp, who are you sensing is having a, a tougher time adjusting? Is it the pitchers or the batters? I think the pitchers are trying to gauge it out and see exactly how much time they have. I, you know, it was there was a couple guys that were pretty close to getting strikes called on them, um, but I think the pitchers are gonna they're gonna realize that it's it's kind of funny they have more time than they think, you know, and there's gonna be ways to kind of work around the rules a little bit, and there's gonna be guys that can manipulate it and come set early and have a hitter stand there for, you know, nine seconds and not having him be able to call timeout and things like that. So we haven't had a violation yet from a pitcher, and I think what they're learning from these games, everyone hasn't really gotten into a game yet, but I think what they're all saying when they come out of their out of their outing is, yeah, that's fast, but I know I have more time. So it's it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. What is the messaging for Major League Baseball in terms of how this is going to be policed is it your understanding like this is diligent and if it's game seven world series ninth inning that pitch clock runs out that's your problem or might this ease out at some point <laughs> i'm not sure i mean we saw the game i think it was the braves and the red sox the other day where it ended in a tie on a, mm-hmm. on a strike three violation you know 
I think it'll I think it'll work itself out, and I think it's it's one of those things where the pace in between pitches you you're going to see a difference. It does keep the game going at a at a much quicker pace, and uh, hopefully that you know really meaningful games. Not that every game isn't meaningful, but hopefully it's not you know done on a technicality or done on a on a rule that's really really new to somebody. And I think the probably the rules will be amended as the season goes a little bit and be and be kind of fine tuned a little bit based on what the league is seeing. So. Overall, it's been good, and um, you know you just don't want to see you know a uh, the players not dictate the outcome of the game. More on a big picture note, John. Like Jeff and I went to many NHL training camps, and a lot of the times the chatter was you know the playoffs, the championship. Like there's always this kind of end goal that kind of gets reiterated throughout the group. Um, for you. With the group you have this season, obviously your expectations would be a lot higher. What's the message you're sending to the group, and what are your expectations for this group? Message to the group is, you know, we have been a very talented team for a number of years, and right now it's just time to take the next step and going from a talented team that um, can almost out-talent people at times to a very um, precise, efficient, focused group that can beat a team in a variety of ways. That's kind of been the messaging. I think that, you know, with certain additions to the club, um, those things will happen both on the field and in the clubhouse, which is really cool. So that's kind of been the messaging. We're stressing little things. You know, there may be a night where we're facing a tough pitcher and we have to create some runs um, on the bases or prevent some runs in the field. You know, and there's going to be nights where the guys are banging and you got to, you know, just sit back and let them let the offense come. So, it's unique to where, you know, this group can, can do a lot of that stuff um, on any given night. So the messaging is just, yes, we've been very talented, and right now we want to be viewed as a very complete team and um, make a deep postseason run. And once you get there, you know, it's kind of a uh, all bets are off and see what happens. John, how does Vladdy look? Is he kind of getting into a stretch in the next to you know five to seven years where he can absolutely go nuts does he kind of have that comfort level where he feels like a like a veteran player and he's just when that young player turns the corner they can be awfully dangerous yeah he's um he's about as focused as i've ever seen him you know since i've known him and he's uh it was great he was down at the facility down at the complex here in, in early january and and he's been very very driven to um I mean, last year wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. I think his standards are way higher. So kind of like showing people, hey, 2021 wasn't a fluke. It's not, that's the kind of player that I am. So his focus is just ridiculous right now. I mean, two homers in his first two games. Um, the way he's working, the the quality of work that he's doing every day and the intent with what she's, what she's doing it is, is great to see. Um, it's rubbing off on his teammates already, and he's a dude. He's obviously – one of the best players in the game. And, um, you know, right now it feels like whenever he steps in the box, he's going to hit something really hard. With Jays manager John Schneider, obviously you guys have not had access to the new dimensions up at the Rogers Center, but it's coming, and you're aware of the new look park. How can you prepare for that? Does it does it change any approach, either from a pitching perspective, defense perspective, hitting perspective, the idea that, that your home park is going to have a bit of a different feel to it this season? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll change, you know, once we kind of see it and see how it plays, right? I mean, it's we have guys like Bo, Chappie, Vladdy that, you know, hit balls to right center, and then you got more left-handers in the, in the lineup this year that, you know, it's going to be enticing to kind of go that way, I think, and it's going to be the same for the opposition. So the biggest thing is 
trying to see really how the ball carries, whether it's roof open, roof closed, um, and kind of see how that wall plays. It's I was up there a few weeks ago, obviously, with all the construction, but standing in center field, you can see how how close right center is, but how high the wall is. So there's going to be some weird bounces out there. Um, you know, George and KK and Varsh are going to have to get used to the way the, the ball's playing off the wall and things like that. Um, and it's going to be new for everyone. So it's going to be a, a big off day when we get back from the road trip uh, initially to kind of gauge it out, see what it looks like, and see how it plays. But it's um, it's definitely, I think, like any park like Fenway, Yankee Stadium, even Baltimore now with a really deep fence and left, it, it's going to add a dynamic that you're going to have to be aware of where it is. Yeah. Are the golf clubs tucked away for the year, John? What's what's going on down there in Dunedin? <laughs> Mine are never tucked away. You know, I'm just you know a, a few hours away from from having a bad round and throwing them. But whenever I can get out, I'm trying to. You know, I live right across from my course, which is great, but. Time is really tough right now, so maybe sneaking out for maybe nine holes or so on our first off day here coming up on the sixth. All right. Good luck. Good luck with that. And uh, it's always great to catch up with you, John. We appreciate you doing this, and best of luck through the spring, and we'll catch up again soon. All right. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yep. There he is, John Schneider, Jay's manager. What a move living right across from your golf course. Yes. Oh, that's a good You know play. what that screams? I own a golf cart. And I just take the cart right to the first Always tee. Always the vet move, right? right from the garage right to the first tee. I love seeing those guys. You go down to a you know a spot in Florida, and the guy's got the same tee time every day. Yep. It's like Truman Show, man. You see him driving to the course, same route, yep. going through the same streets. There's a chicken club. Bags on the back. Chicken club and an ice-cold beverage waiting, waiting for, him for him upon his arrival right when he gets to the home. 18th green. Yep, right when he gets home. And the beauty of those, like if it's in like a gated community or whatever, they don't leave their clubs at the course. They just bring them home. Yeah. Right? It just it never leaves the cart. They don't need storage or anything. Actually, I'll be taking my clubs home today, <laughs> and they'll be back tomorrow. Are you, are there, you a back shop guy? guy? Uh, there are oh, some I guys down sure. there. That the same set of clubs have probably stayed on the cart for five to ten years. Yeah, never move, never no, detach. Just I'm going, I'm playing, I'm teeing it. I'm gonna uh, put stuff in it, refill mm-hmm. it, whatever he puts in there, and that bag stays on that cart for life. You see some souped up carts now, man. Like in in 2023, the cart technology. Yeah, we're down in the states. A lot of it is revolves around favorite sports teams. I have a picture actually in my phone. I was down in Naples. Uh, in the fall, and there was an Ohio State University cart. This thing had to cost fifteen grand, and it was stacked. Yeah, like the 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 tires were eighteen inches, and it was all decked out in OSU gear and comfy paint seats, and like the nice big plush seats, full for leather, sure. a second row of seats. Yeah. Like this thing was. Let me ask you this: stacked, built-in speaker, absolutely. Oh yeah, and a little place for some ice and some booze mm-hmm. and some beers if need be. Like everything was taken care of. Yeah, probably fifteen grand, no problem. Anyway, thanks to John Schneider. We appreciate it. Chris Johnston still to come. The Leafs making moves. Jake McCabe and Sam, don't call me, Daniel Lafferty. Is hey, officially Frankie's a got a couple more D options. And a couple we more need D to options. circle back on. Okay, let's Maybe bring we'll that back. Those. Yeah, we'll get to those. We'll circle back on a five-pack. We can circle back. we got all yeah. afternoon. We'll circle back on the five possible options for deep pairings, and we'll go through which ones we think make the most sense, but ultimately which one we think Sheldon Keefe 
is going to believe in because that's what really matters. What's the coach going to do with all these players? So that more still to come. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on the TSN app. All right, here we go. We got a pair of Leaf tickets to give away. Man, we're giving out bangers. Like, Leafs Avalanche March 15th. Go see the Cup champs. Yeah. And they're starting to hum now. That Colorado team has decided Dude, we're ready no to one's play. No talking about them. No. no one is talking about them. And they are getting horned up. They're yes. waiting in the weeds. I mean. They oh, are. Yeah. You know what? I would argue Tampa the same thing. We bring them up here because we know that the Leafs are going to run into them. They've been to the Cup final three years in a row, and all we talk about is Boston. Yeah. And, hey, look at New York's going to get showtime. And, man, I like that Carolina team. Wow, Jersey with Jack they, Hughes. There's they Tampa. might be licking their chops down there. I think they probably are, which could be scary, that in a weird way they may have a chip on their shoulder that no one's believing in them. It's like Travis Kelsey all over Imagine again. Imagine that. No one believes in us. Yeah. Uh, Leafs Avalanche, March 15th. Every day this week, we'll provide the clue to the identity of a current or ex-Maple Leaf player. On Friday, you'll have a chance to call in and name that Leaf. Today's clue. This former Maple Leaf played for seven different NHL teams. Seven different NHL teams. This means seven teams wanted you. A lot of teams, teams wanted, you, wanted you, or six really didn't you know want what? you anymore. I already know the guy. It's Gary Roberts. I already know it. The Gary, buddy Gary Roberts. Our buddy will text us pretty soon with the answer, I'm sure of it. Did he play seven? Calgary, Toronto, Carolina. Carolina, Pitt, Tampa Bay, Florida, Florida Panthers. Arod's shaking his head. Pittsburgh. It's not oh, Gary Roberts. Rod's shaking his head over not here. Not Gary. What does he know? Well, he's actually the guy who put this whole thing together, so <laughs> he literally knows the answer. So, yeah. Not Gary Roberts. Not Gary. Right? But shout out to Gary Roberts. Yeah. My guy. Yes, your guy. Uh, all right, Chris Johnston coming up, Josh Lewenberg in the next hour as well. The Raptors were really humming until they decided to face Cleveland, and we saw how that played out. Fred's been out for three games, personal reasons. Just not playing right now, Fred Van Vliet. So we'll uh, catch up with Josh and get his take on where things stand post-deadline and how the Raptors are playing this thing out. Uh, so that more coming up in the final hour. The Lakers stormed back down 27 last night. But LeBron limping out of the stadium. Steve, Stephen A. loves the Lakers, eh? All every day. Every day. Oh, they're going to get it. I don't know how you win. trust that. Go. Like, if LeBron's banged up, they're not winning anything. No. And Anthony Davis will get hurt again. Yeah. Like, it's just a formality. It's I don't know how you can love the Lakers. <clears throat> I'm not sure you can either. Vinyl Hour coming up. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 soon to be up on TSN 2.